Oi, watch it. You could have had my eye out with that. Sorry, Squire. Yeah, you will be. Why are you even here? Stop disturbing the athletes. Jeez, can you stop doing that? Doing what? Sneaking up on me like that. You've taken ten years off me. Yeah, I can tell, yeah. What's that supposed to mean? Well, you look your age, don't you? I'll have you know, I was approached to be a model. Of what? The gherkin? Well, someone's got out of bed on the wrong side today. You're being much more belligerent than usual. Oh, I'm sorry. It's these athletes, they're making ridiculous demands. That one over there insisted on a dozen pigs in blankets in his changing room. Well, just because you're a vegetarian doesn't mean you can't deny a man a sausage wrapped in bacon. You people, you come over here stealing our courgettes. No, 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 no. I mean actual pigs in actual blankets. I hate to think what he wanted them for. Did you get them for him? No, they wouldn't fit. I got him a terrier in a towel instead. He seemed happy with that. Old man. Hey, wait a minute. What do you mean, athletes? Those guys, over there. The athletes. Athletes? The one swilling beer like it's going out of fashion? The one mainlining pork scratchings? How are they athletes? They're professional darts players. How else would you describe them? I don't know. It's just when I think of athletes, I think of men and women at the peak of physical perfection. Bronzed and muscular. Arms like great thighs. Like me, in fact. Well, there you go then. They look just like you. Athletes. You are no friend. Since we bought this pub, you've done nothing but put me down. You could put you down. What was that? No, nothing, nothing. So what are they doing here anyway? Chucking those little stick things about. Arrows. Yeah, sorry, it's this new outfit. Keeps riding up. No, no, that's what they call them. Arrows. We organised the World Darts Farm to take place here, remember? To bring more business in, because you keep shouting at all the customers and scaring them off. I do not! Yesterday you shouted at a guy for ordering some prawn cocktail crisps. People like that make me sick. And you threw a pint at him. How dare you! I wouldn't waste a pint. It was only a half. Look, since we bought the pub off Big Jim, you've driven off almost all of the regulars. If you carry on like that, we're going to be out of money. And that means you get no more free beer. I suppose. But the crisps... Just pretend they're... What flavour do you actually like? Worcester sauce. Seriously? What's wrong with Worcester sauce? Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm not a customer, you can't be rude to me. I'm just saying, maybe Worcester sauce flavour is the worst and you need to open your mind a little. Anyway, my point is, you're driving everyone away. That's why I've had to organise this darts match to bring people in. So stop disturbing the athletes. Fine, fine. How can this be the world final anyway? All of these guys are from the UK. There are athletes from at least three countries there. England, Scotland and Wales. No one from Northern Ireland then? Oh yeah, yeah, four countries then. If that doesn't qualify as a world final, then I don't know what does. <sighs> Has it really come to this? Where did it all go wrong? I hope won the FA Cup final. I won at the boxing. We lost the FA Cup. Anyway, I've decided to enter myself. I'm not sure that's even possible. In the darts match. Why should you get all the glory and trophies and things? Whatever. The point is, how did I get stuck with you? Genesis. Oh yeah, that's right. I agreed to talk to you about Genesis. I suppose you're going to suggest we talk about another one now, aren't you? You should do about this point. That's a remarkably cynical point of view. But on the other hand, do you want to talk about Genesis? Fine. Where did we get to?
Daryl, look after the bar a bit. Me and Simon are going to the snug to do the podcast. So, and then there were three. Yeah, and then there were three. Uh, released March 78. Yeah, it was their ninth studio album. Was this their first one for Charisma? Well, I know, they... they were always on Charisma from Trespass. Really? If you remember, that was Tony Stratton-Smith's record label. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes, my mistake, yes. I, I do pay attention to what you said. Of course you do. Not very often, but, you know, occasionally. They remained on Charisma until Charisma was bought by Virgin Records in about 1984, I think. I don't know exactly when, for the release of the album Genesis. Ah, and then they were on Virgin Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they recorded it in September, October 1977. They had six weeks rehearsal at Shepparton Studios with this album mm-hmm. before finally taking it back to the Netherlands. And then they recorded it over there. This is becoming quite a regular haul for them with recording. Yeah. Although I believe this was the last album they actually recorded. And they've just gotten used to it. Oh, they're going to miss them over there. As with the other albums, it was their one concession to tax. Was it really? Yes. Oh, so okay. it was, they actually made more money if they recorded outside the UK and obviously they found a studio that they liked and yeah well they've, they've used it several times yeah so, um, and yeah it seems to work for them yep yeah, definitely so where did they record after this I don't want to put spoilers for the next one did they move back into the UK for recording no no they didn't and the next album they recorded outside the UK again wow yeah. no spoilers no but this was a good album for them. Uh, number three in the UK charts, yep. number 14 in the US charts. It did indeed. It was produced by David Henschel, um, who'd also produced uh, Trick of the Tale and Wind and Wuthering with them. Just after Steve Hackett had left the band, they completed the recording of this album and it was all ready to be released by the time they were out promoting uh, Seconds Out. So this was their first recording as an actual trio. Steve Hackett's departure was announced on October the 8th in 1977 as part of that. So this was their first album since From Genesis to Revelation that doesn't have any longer songs on it. No, no, no. It's got all very short songs. Yeah. But it's very in vogue with the charts at the time. Because we've got New Wave and Punk coming in, mm-hmm. which are all much shorter songs. Yeah. Long gone are the days of the 24-minute musical pieces. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did get accused of doing that to be more commercial. It worked though. But yeah, it did work. But um, Phil has often said that they actually wanted to get more ideas onto the album, so they decided to make the song shorter. And that's true. I mean, there's a, a lot of different styles on this album. I don't think you could say that any of the songs are complete change of sound for Genesis. There are songs on there that are still prog songs, they're just a lot shorter than they might have been on Wind and Wuthering or Trick of the Tail. Yeah, but then there's a lot of songs on here that are quite clearly pop. There are some, a couple of pop songs. Yeah. I mean, they, this was one of the ones where they had their biggest single to date, Follow exactly. You, Follow Me. Yeah, yeah, I mean... This was the one that, when they previewed this for the studio, they immediately saw that Follow You, Follow Me was going to be single, and yeah. they remixed it themselves yeah. and basically said this is what it should sound like. I mean, they didn't like that track, it was an afterthought. Yeah, because Phil fact. wanted it to do a much slower version of it, didn't he? Well, the, Originally, apparently, they had a much longer arrangement of it as well. Like I say, it was actually David Henschel mixed it for them, the version that, that ended up on the album. But the studio immediately heard a potential hit single. But this is one of those occasions where the studio got it bang on. Because yeah. this broke ground for Genesis. It did. It they, really, that really single did. went mental. Yeah, especially in, in America, it really opened up doors for them. You still hear it on the radio now. Yeah, I know. I mean... I mean, it still sounds fresh. Yeah, we'll talk about Follow You, Follow Me as we go along. Yeah. Phil said that Steve leaving was a bit of a surprise to him, and Mike has stated a couple of times that he still isn't 100% sure why. Steve's very clear on why he left. He yeah. left because he wasn't getting his ideas heard, and he, he, he wanted to make a solo album again, and he thought that there was nowhere else for the group to go. But the group said that 
recording as a trio, it became much easier yeah. because they all had specifically designed roles and there was much less infighting. Yeah, exactly. If you think about it, that, that makes sense because if there's only three of them, they're only pulling in three different directions, so it's easy to get consensus. Whereas, Too many cooks, etc. Yeah, four or even five. Yeah. That's going to be somebody's going to lose out, and sadly it was Steve. I would have loved to have heard what Steve had contributed to this album because I think there are some tracks on here where if Steve had been on these, they would have been even better. On this album, they have gone for a more poppy feel. Mm. So I think if they'd included more guitar solos and you know a, a more orchestral well, sound to so it. So you say more poppy feel, but actually this is one of the heavier albums. Do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's a few tracks on here which we'll discuss in a minute. I think are really quite heavy. You know, they're not they're not Linkin Park heavy. They're still pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's still basically prog rock. Yeah. Um, short songs, lengths, and changing themes. Mm. Um, we're, not, we're not we're seeing on this album less of the mythical themes yeah. that they've they've had in some of the past albums. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing more pop orientated. Not pop orientated. They're more realistic themes, even if they're not real event themes. They're based on things that are in the real world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're not based on a, a mighty army destroying the planet. No. They're no. based on cowboys, yeah. which were real. And like something... those builds I had last summer. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So they did consider getting in another guitarist. Um, they tried out a few people, including Pat Thrall, who is a famous guitarist, apparently. So I'm led to believe. Um, but Mike decided that he actually wanted to try out being the lead guitarist. But he was very nervous doing it, wasn't he? He was very nervous, very uncertain doing it. And I think you can kind of tell because with Mike being new to the guitar role, yeah. I think the keyboards take more of a front seat on this album. Yeah, than they definitely. have done on the last, certainly on the last two albums. Yeah, but that works well with this album. It does. But it, it also it shows the change in sound that we're getting with Genesis now. We're moving away from the symphonic sounds mm. that we were used to Genesis yeah. producing, and moving into a more trio-based but lighter sound. Mm. I'm not saying lighter sound, not in a bad way. Yeah. I'm just saying it's it's more clear. Yeah, I mean, there's none of the uh, sort of instrumental improvisation style things. No, that, that no. there were on the last two albums. You know, if you think of uh, What Gorilla or um, um, Los Endos, yeah. they were a lot looser and jazzier in feel, and there's nothing like that on this album. No, no, not at all. So in that sense, it is a lot more commercial. With Mike being lead guitarist now, that obviously meant they needed somebody for the tour. Yeah. So yeah. they went for a guy called Daryl Sturmer. Um, he joined the touring band. He was a veteran American guitarist. He played with John Luke Ponty's band, amongst others. The reason they chose him was that Mike still wanted to play bass on the older tracks. So they needed somebody who could play bass on the new tracks while Mike played lead, and then swap to lead on things like, you know, the Firth, the Fifth, the old yeah. stuff that yeah, Steve yeah. had played on. So they, they chose Daryl because he could do both of those. Um, and he took the job, apparently, because he knew Chester Thompson, and he met up with Chester Thompson and asked, whether he should join the band and Chester Thompson said yes, on that, he should. On that point, mm -hmm. uh, as you say, Chester Thompson's once again touring with them. Yep. Um, it was uh, noted at the time mm -hmm. that they had a real difficulty uh, explaining to Chester Thompson, especially with the first track, yep. the tempo and the rhythm of the drumming, mm. because they'd written it together as a, as a trio, yep. and apparently it was such a complicated time signature, <laughs> they had such a problem explaining to him how it should sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, so apparently when they were touring that took a while to get the sound quite right while they were touring. That's why I think if you look at the tracks they played from the album mm. on that tour, they only played five or six of the tracks live. 
Really? Yeah, I mean, there's what, uh, 12 tracks on this, I think, 13 tracks, something like that. Yeah. Um, and they only played five or six of those tracks. I, I, it looks like, just looking through some set lists, Undertow, Snowbound, and Many Too Many have never been played live. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, they, although they were going a lot more commercial with the tracks, yeah. not necessarily easy to play. No. And some of the tracks, like you mentioned, the first track, Down and Out, didn't get played very often at all. Really? Because that's one of my favourite tracks. Mm. Yes, well, we'll come on to those in a minute. We will so. indeed. So that tour went on from March 1978 until December 1978. There were only one date in the UK. Everything else was... Uh, so it's much like America. one of their modern tours. Yeah, yeah that date was in Nebworth. Um, they played festival there on 24th of June 1978. Was that them solo or did they have... No, I think they had a few yeah. bands supporting them all, all day sort yeah. of thing. Normally um, Nebworth. Yeah. Yeah. What are they good against playing in the UK? I don't know. I think in this case, it was that they were trying to break America. It was a deliberate attempt to break into the American market. They've been market. trying that for the last few albums. Yeah, exactly. Well, this time they've succeeded. They have. So it was their most successful album in America up to that point. I think there's a good reason for that yeah. as well. So changing the subject a little bit, what do you think of the cover of this album? Well, it's another one by Hypnosis, isn't it? Mm. They always do really good covers. Yeah. I don't think this is one of the best they've ever done. Almost always do really good covers. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, no, it, it's it's a fine it's a fine cover. I mean, because there's no solid theme for this mm. album. If you were given this and said uh, do as a cover, mm. you go because there's no general yeah. theme to draw on. So yeah. I think they did pretty well. It's bit bright, it's colourful, mm. catches your eye. Mm. All right, it's not a standout cover. Yeah. If you saw it on a, on a rack in a record shop, it, your eye would not be drawn to it. Mm -hmm. But it's fine, what yeah. do you think? I take it you don't. I'm not keen on it. I think it's a bit, of, I mean, the concept behind it is that the trails of light are supposed to be telling a story. It's supposed to be following somebody in the passage of time and the, the trails of the car lights and the trails of the, the, the match being struck and the cigarette. I don't think that works as a concept at all. It just but, looks like a mess. But now you say that, mm. no, it doesn't make any sense. No. no. I think they would have been better off. Because I think the picture of those the guys on the front, that would have worked perfectly fine if you just had. Yeah, the trails of light is nice because mm. otherwise it's quite a dark cover. Yeah. But I don't get the story. No, this, I think this if is you've one got to have weaker. it explained to you. Well, exactly. Yeah, I think this is one of the weaker concepts there for an album cover. And coming from Wind and Wuthering, which I think is a fantastic, Great album. striking, simple yeah. cover, and Trick of the Tail with its storybook themed cover, which like the album is supposed to be kind of storybook almost. Mm -hmm. I think it works really well. And then just to get this, it's just kind of nothing. No, because they really do anything. When hypnosis have done other album covers based on photographs. Yeah. They've really graphically altered them to an yeah. extent. You think of the Pink Floyd's yeah. uh, Wish You Were Here yeah. cover and things like that. You know, they've, they've really altered them to make them dynamic. Mm. That is not the case in this one. No, no, it's not. It's neither simple or effective. Well, it's not as bad mind. as the Paul Whitehead album. So. Oh, <laughs> no, I, I don't mind this. It's, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. It's not, on a 1 to 10, it's like a it's 1 good or 10 good. Um, 1's bad. Oh right, okay. It's about two. Yeah, two or three. Inoffensive, but doesn't not great. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't sell well. Doesn't, doesn't rock my boat. Is no. rocking your boat good? Rock the boat. Yeah, you got the notion to rock the boat. Now this is why your musical career failed. So the first track, down and out. Good to be 
absolutely brilliant first track. So once again, Genesis starting off with a real great open. I really like that track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is one of my favourite tracks on this album. I long I, This is one of my favourite tracks, I think. I, I love this track. Are you just copying me now? I'm just copying you now. No, no, it really is a great track. It I is. Mean, uh, I was reading the notes on this track though, and one thing that really messed my brain up mm. was the description of this track mm. by the artists. Yes. Apparently, mm -hmm. it's about the music industry in America. And Did how... you get that? No, I thought I always thought this was about salesmen. Oh, yeah, no. To be fair, I kind of did as well. Mm. So when I read this, and he says, "No, it's about the music industry mm. in America and how they're constantly dropping artists." I thought, yeah. I thought it was about a salesman on the road. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I, I no. I I agree. Actually, I did originally think it was about salesmen. I think they got it wrong. And then when I read that it was about music industry, I was like. Oh yeah, I get it now. No, I still know but, that. Don't you? I, no. No, I, no, I get it now. Because obviously you're singing the um, you're singing the verses as the record company exec, mm -hmm. and you're yeah. singing the chorus as the artist. Yeah. So when you get that, if you listen to it, he sings the record company exec with an American accent. Yeah, but when he's down, when he's going back to the the uh, the well, artist, we're now going to have to say artist. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like. Some of the some of the tracks, some of the choruses sound like he's meeting other salesmen in a bar mm. and he's going to meet them for a drink later. Yeah. It doesn't sound like artists because mm. they don't usually. Well, yeah, they do hang around bars, yeah. but they don't usually sort of hang around bars in big groups. Like you do get salesmen. I'm not sure it's supposed to be in the bar though, is it? No, but it's supposed to be in a meeting. That was always the image I got in my head. Mm. Like he's come away from the meeting and he's just met some other salesmen mm. in the bar and he's going, "Yeah, I'll join you for a drink later. Mm. Yeah, we're going to get there fast. We're going to talk. We're mm. going we'll to do deals." Yeah. But you don't hear, you know, you don't really hear. Signals going. Yeah, we've got to do deals, man. But he doesn't. That's not what he sings. So he's, he's saying, "Show me someone who do it better. Show me the door." If, if, that's what the singer bit is saying. He's saying the artiste is saying. But he is. The artiste is saying, "Show me the door. Show me somebody who can do it better." So the record company's saying, "Yeah, you're not selling enough. We're going to drop you." And the artiste is saying, "Yeah, whatever. You can't get anybody better than me. Show me the door if you." want to, I'll find somewhere else. I think we'll agree to disagree. No, I don't think we will. And you're wrong. No, I don't think we will. I think I'm right. This you're wrong. Shall we pull the lyrics this, up? This is what I have to <laughs> d deal with all the time from you. You're always bloody right. <sighs> Thank you. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, great track. Great but, track. I love this track. It I is mean, great. It's a great sing-along. That's another thing about this mm. album. There's some great sing-alongs. You can put this on in your car and just go nuts. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this is on my driving playlist, this track. Definitely. Next yeah. to yeah. 11.3rd of March, which I think it's very similar in style. To yes. The way it drives, I mean, obviously it's a lot shorter, but the way it builds up at the start and then it drives along and then... Uh, driving. Drives along, yeah, 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 yeah. See? yeah. And then it, it builds that crescendo and then ends. I think it, it reminds me a lot of 11.3rd of March, and if it wasn't for the subject matter, it could almost be part two of... Which is sales. Which is record industry. You say so. <laughs> I do say so. I know you do. It's one of the heaviest tracks as well. I mean, for saying it's Mike's first on-record guitar playing, mm -hmm. he does a great job. He does a really heavy, sort of Steve Hackett almost approximation on this track. Yeah. I think this is his most Steve Hackett-y As you say, considering he was, he was a bit dubious about mm. doing this role, he does an excellent job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned earlier on about um, it not being played very often live. It was played a few times. Um, Partly because of the drum pattern, yeah. and apparently yeah. Phil Phil had trouble explaining how to play it to mm -hmm. Chester, and also um, Phil had a lot of trouble singing it because he sings it in such a an aggressive way. He couldn't sing it very often. 
Maybe you need to do it with a Cockney accent, like it was a gangster, because that's always worked really well for me. Yeah, well, maybe. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have got actually got a bootleg. I'm live, sorry to hear that. A bootleg version of this with Phil playing it live. Mm. Um, I, I couldn't tell you where it's from. His vocals do crack a little bit while he's singing it so he, he strains a little bit and you can see why maybe they would have to drop it because mm. I can't imagine him being in a great shape vocally after singing that song. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of dropping it, mm. absolutely no silly voices on this album. Are you sure? What are you thinking? I'm, I can't remember, I'm trying to think of it. I don't recall. No, I don't think there are any silly voices. No. Oh, apart from ours. Apart from, yeah, well, that's... Yeah. that's no, I don't, no, I don't think there are any silly... silly Mock voices. The only ones I can think of are ooh, the princess when he's doing the in the, the lady lies. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Actually, I don't yeah, think there are any. It's only subtly done. Though. Mm. It's not a cool blimey squire. Thanks for saving me. Yeah, but is that a problem with this album? Because you say that, but they always use those sort of funny voices in the humorous tracks. There are only humorous tracks in this album. Rubbery salt in the battery is not humorous. Supposed to be humorous, really wasn't it? But it was supposed to be humorous. Yeah, and one of the things um, on this track, particularly, it's a very American theme. Yes, well, that does actually come up again in this album. I was going to mention this actually, but let's talk about it now. It's actually a very American album. Yeah, but you said they were again still trying to crack the American. Yeah, but by an American album, I mean in the same way that. Selling England by the Pound was a very British album about mm -hmm. British things, yeah. great British things, and a lot of references to British culture. This has a lot of American themed songs on it. Yeah, I mean, you've got Down and Out, obviously, about supposedly about salesmen. <laughs> I'm glad you're coming around to my way of thinking, or more accurately, about record executives. If you insist, you've got the Ballad of Big, which is all about cowboys, Westerns. yeah, you've got um. Uh, Scenes from a Night's Dream, which is all about the American comic strip Little Nemo. Yes. And then you've got uh, Deep in the Mother Load, all about the gold rush. There's a lot of American themes. And as well as some of the songs sounding, to me anyway, quite American in, in style. Maybe that's why this album's quite a dis divisive album amongst Genesis fans. Is it really? Well, yeah. But... I mean, don't get me wrong. I can understand that because hmm. it is quite different from what they've done before. Yeah, it, it's a very. It, it's almost like the Marmite of Genesis albums. It, some people love it to bits, and some people hate it, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of reasoning why. Because the people that hate it tend to say, "Well, it's too commercial. It sounds. It's not prog enough." But then you think, "Well, Burning Ropes, pretty prog rock. Pretty much. It's just not 15 minutes long." Yeah. That's the only thing that differentiates <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So, but, but then the people who love it will say that. But the, you know, people always say, "Oh, it's got too many commercial pop tracks on, like you know, Follow You, Follow Me, and many too many." Yeah, but, but then, the times were changing. The yeah. times were a changing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got all this new music that's coming in, and they're all shorter songs. Mm -hmm. They're all punchier. Yep. And if Genesis had carried on doing twenty-minute, they'd have been out of the market. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's no chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheeps on here. No. But it is a lot more yeah. commercial. It's not. It's not really pop music, pop, but it is it's commercial. Yeah. So, yeah, can you really blame it? Then again, it's an example of them progressing. From yeah. the, this is We've nothing had this like discussion the last before. Exactly, exactly what is progressive rock? Exactly. And if it doesn't progress, is it still progressive? Exactly. But then, at the end of the day, 
they're trying to make a buck. Well, yeah, exactly. Everybody's got artistic license and mm -hmm. talent. You know, this is the some kind of songs we want to produce yeah. because it's what we like. But at the end of the day, mm. we want to make some money out of it. Exactly. I mean, and and this tour was the first of their tours where they actually made any money. Yeah. Uh, every other tour before this tour, they they lost money on that. So. It's worked. They that time they were quids in. Exactly, and you've got to bear in mind this is a band. This is their jobs. If they're not making money, they're not going to make any more albums. No, so I mean, you, it's, it's one not of those like things, today. If you're a real fan, you're going, can't you do what you yeah, used to do? Exactly. We can't if we don't make any money. It's not like today where you know Marillion want to make a new album, so they say to all their fans on their website, we want to make a new album. All we need you to do is to pay for it now. So we've got the money for the studio, we can go in and record it. But Marillion's and that works because they are just pandering to the fans. But they're not, well... And when I say pandering, I mean they are they are saying we are going to make more of the same if you want to buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so they're saying to their fans, we want to make more albums, we can't afford to. But if you pay for the album first, mm -hmm. we'll have the money to make the album. Yeah, because if, if they were still trying to be commercial, they wouldn't sound anything like Marillion. Exactly. Anymore. And they, if, they, if that business model didn't exist, Marillion would not be making albums today. Yeah. Simple as that. They wouldn't be able to because they, they wouldn't be signed to a record label because no record label would have them because they wouldn't make money. This is 1978, so Genesis don't have that option. They make money from their records and they make money from their tours. Even merchandise. Well, they're this, just about to start making money from their tours. Exactly. Even merchandise, I don't imagine they're going to have much in the way of merchandise. Yeah, T-shirts, maybe. Yeah, but even even back then, a T-shirt, you'd get one or two in a shop. Yeah. They weren't the, they weren't the, the big exactly. online shops now. Yeah. So unless they got into Selector Disc or Revolver or mm -hmm. wherever you were shopping at the time, yep. you didn't have access to those sorts of shops. Exactly. They weren't or available. if you were at the tour and buying yeah. them on the tour. Definitely. So that was where they made all the money. So this is... This is kind of that, they've got to make money. How are they going to make money? They've got to sell more records. How are they going to sell more records? Be a bit more commercial. Yeah. yeah. And it, it worked. Yeah. It worked. Yeah. You can't deny it. Yeah. So anyway, we've so, talked about this track now. We have, we have. So are we, are we, are we all done on this track Love that now? track. Love the track. I could listen to it over and over again. So we're going to the second track. Tony Banks wrote this as a much longer track originally, it had a two minute keyboard introduction. Really? Yes, you can find that on his first solo album, Curious Feeling, which wow. is called From the Undertow. 
Um, but yeah, they, they took it off because they were going for the short songs. So on his on his solo album, is it just that piece of music? It's or the does very he, first track. Does he just use that it, piece of music? So does he doesn't use it as another track or anything? No, he just uses that. Intro? No, it just uses it as an intro to the album, basically. Oh, um, it works out. really well if you listen to it before this track then mm. as well. It work. It, you can see how it would work as a, a whole long track. Oh, wow. Very thematically, um, but yeah, I love this. This song is so good. Yeah, it's a great second track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again it's, though, it's falling out of the tradition of using of having another a quiet track afterwards. Mm. Apart from the, the slow introduction, it's yeah. a really you know good. Yeah, ah. yeah. It really builds up nicely, and yeah, I like the way that this lyric at first appears to be quite depressing. Mm. When you first listen to it, you're like, what would you, if this was the last day of your life, what would you do there? It's like, yeah, oh, it sounds like it should be a depressing thing. Yeah, but then it's like, you know, so stand really up. Really rousing chorus. You know, stand up yeah. to the blow yeah. that fate has dealt point. I love that. It's yeah. just, it works it's, so it's, well. It, it's a good feel-good song towards the end, isn't yeah, it? It's so like you, a good you, rallying call. As you say, you start off and you start thinking, oh, this is going to be really depressing. Ah, yeah, and exactly. then you just, you just all smiles by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, Phil's vocals just... Yeah, he does such a great this job. Is, this, on this is as well. one of his powerhouse tracks. I think so. Yeah, mm. I mean, I love his performance on Down and Out. I think that was great. But this really showcases how powerful he can get on this. Yeah, this track. As, again, considering when he first was asked to do the vocals, he was a bit yeah, exactly. not sure. And this is only his third album. Yeah, and this just proves what a decision that was. It was the right decision because it's a great track for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one thing I would say is that production on this track makes his vocals sound a little bit strange. I, I can't really put it into words. It's kind like of a little bit echoey or a bit like far away. like he's standing away. a bit farther, yeah. farther away from the microphone. Yeah, exactly. But that works because if his voice was really powerful in this track, too mm. powerful, it would drown out the beautiful music. It would, yeah. It's great music. Just yeah. everything about this song is great. Yeah, love it. The first track on the album that explicitly mentions winter. Is so, that relevant? So, yes, I'm, I'm going to make a point. So Ooh, we, we've come from the autumn feel of wind and withering. I think we both agreed that it was kind of an autumnal breeze wind, you know, in some of the instrumental passages, it kind of autumn-y sounding. Yes. And this album seems to be winter. Okay. Because this one mentions, you know, waiting for spring and winter, you know, surviving winter, basically. So it's, it's specifically going. going with the winter yeah. theme. Yeah. So, as we've already mentioned, it's kind of an American themed album. Also very winter. So it would be fall? Yeah, uh, no, it wouldn't because that's autumn. What's that spring? Spring. God, those <laughs> Americans. <laughs> Americans. <laughs> They've almost got a different word for everything. Except spring and winter. Yeah. So this is a very wintry album. Okay. <laughs> and it's the first track to explicitly mention winter. Cool. So, but yeah, I love this track. And, and again, this was kind of a deep cut that they never performed live as far as I can tell. Really? Yeah. Was this written by all three or one particular? This was a Tony song. Right. So Tony wrote this one and took it to the band. They're still at this point mostly writing individual songs and then going and take him to the band. Okay. There's not really any improvising at this point. So this is a Tony Banks? This is uh, a Tony track. Yeah. That's a really good one. It's a really good one. I think it's one of the best ones he's written. Definitely by long way. So going into the next track, which, which is? is Ballad of Big. Yeah. 
Jim, he's here. No, 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 not that big Jim. Oh, Christ. The big Jim, Wild West hero type big Jim. Oh, uh, right. Oh, I've worried there for a minute. I thought he was coming to get, get his pub back. No, 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 no. Not having it. No, it's big Jim, the Wild West hero. Big Jim Cooley. Big Jim Cooley. Big Jim. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. what do you think of this track? Um, it's one of those where I'm, you've heard it once and you've heard it. I'm torn because I really like the music. I, re I think the music's really good, really driving, drives along nicely. I'm just not so keen on the lyrics. No. They're a bit it's, meh. Because it's a story. Once yeah. you've heard it, you've heard exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. There's no surprise to it. No. And, but again, it's another um, kind of spooky twist in the story. Uh, I like the story, but as I say, once you've heard this track, you've heard this track. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It doesn't stand up to repeated listening mm. because it is a story and you've heard it. Yeah. I mean, again, it's another typical downbeat end to the story as well. Oh, he yeah. dies. Yeah. Spoilers. A hero dies. Mm. Yeah. Losers. Mm. Terrible. <laughs> what an idiot. But then they still see his ghost. Yeah, a little scooby-doo kind of Ghost! Yeah, but I mean, again, this is what we were saying earlier, pandering to the American market. Yeah, it's another explicitly American-themed song. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's the first really explicitly American-themed song. Lyrics are by Phil, who at this point had already got an interest in the Alamo, which famously he's got a museum that he bought. Has he really? He has. He's got a, the Alamo Museum. He bought the Alamo Museum. That is an interesting fact. Yeah, there you go. So he's fills into Cowboys and the Alamo, so he wrote this track. He wrote the lyrics to this track. But the music is by all of them. Yeah. So they collaborate on this one. Which is fine, because the music is pretty good. It's yeah. just that the lyrics... Mm. Yeah, I mean, Mike. I think Mike does a good job on guitar on this one as well. Yeah. Um, Undertow, not really a guitar-led track. And not it doesn't really have much no. of a, you know, you don't really hear it. But this one, again, he comes in with some, some good Steve Hackett-like guitar yeah. on this one. Yeah, very good. Um, although I would have liked to have heard Steve's take on Down and Out. Steve's let left, let it go. I don't think Steve would have added anything to this track. No. That isn't already there. No, definitely. So there's nothing to add to. Music no. To. But yeah, I, I'm kind of ambivalent to this song. I don't dislike it. I don't love it. It's okay. I, I, I enjoy listening to it when it's on. I don't skip it. Yeah, it's not my Ten on in the car. I will actually fast forward to this. Yeah. I mean, they played this quite a lot live on this tour. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, was it doesn't the, seem like one of play. those tracks that would get a crowd going. Well, what do you think about it musically? But yeah, lyrically, I think, like you say, once you've heard the story. You've heard the story and there's no mm. real interest to it. And it's not even particularly an interesting story. You know, that like one for the vine. Yeah. That's got a great story. Great story. It's like a great episode of, as we mentioned, The Twilight Zone. It is indeed. That you could watch yeah. over and over again yeah. and still enjoy it. Yeah. This one, you couldn't do that over and over again. You'd, wa you'd watch that episode once and go, oh yeah, that was fairly good. Yeah. And then that'd be it. The story wasn't spooky it's not enough. Classic. Or yeah. interesting enough yeah. To, to listen to again. Because yeah. it is a Pretty straightforward story. Yeah. yeah. And as such, I think we should leave that there and go on to the next track. Definitely, which is bound. Lay your body down upon the Children's delight. The 
It's a really nice track, but again, another one that's saved by what a rousing chorus. Mm. And you, I love the chorus. And the, the way those drums go. <laughs> in an extenders kind of way. Indeed. No, yeah, yeah. 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 You know what I mean? I know exactly. The, the, the drums come in all of a sudden, and yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Another wintry themed one. Ah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. But, but this, is this story about somebody dying of freezing to death in the snow? I know what it says. <laughs> in yeah. the actual lyrics. You know what? Which is a very creepy story. Yeah, see, uh, until we started listening to this and digging into it a bit more for this podcast, I just kind of thought this was just a lovely little song about it being snowy at winter and kids running around and playing in the snow. Almost like, to me, this was like the closest they ever came to doing a Christmas tree. Quite shop. innocent. Quite, yeah, beautiful. A lovely little song about, oh, it's snowing, it's a wintry world, and look at all the kids playing in the snow. And then I read what it was supposed to be about, and I was like, Bruh. I know, it's very creepy. That's <laughs> so, somebody actually stuck in a snowman outfit. So you explain to our, our listener. Yeah, apparently, apparently. <laughs> I, I want to learn it. <laughs> our listener, what, what this is supposedly about. It's apparently about a pervert, I'm guessing, because I can't think of why you would dress up in a snowman outfit. Pervert slash weirdo. With kids around mm. you, and then getting stuck in that outfit mm. as the kids play around you. Mm. It's just a bit, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are people who have been put away for a very long time for doing this. Yeah, I don't get <laughs> I don't, I, See, I don't get that from the lyrics. No. In the slightest. When I, when I used to listen to this uh, uh, in my room as, as a teenager, mm. uh, which was many moons ago, but I would sit there and listen to this and go, oh, what a lovely song. Yeah. Um, I always thought it was about literally some, somebody dying and freezing to death in the snow. It, there is that it's, sort of it's stuff towards the end, isn't there? In the there, fact around? that, although it's nice, there's this menacing undertone. Hmm. I didn't realise that menace was actually a pervert in a snowman outfit. No, it's weird. I mean, I might, might kind of suggest that it's somebody who's trying to hide from the world in a snowman costume. Well, instead, it's, it's actually what? somebody who's sort of introverted and they're mm. trying to get out so they're dressed as a snowman to interact with people without people realising yes. they're being interacted with. Yes. However... But yeah, well, if you've read Mike's biography, autobiography, The Living Year, <laughs> which, which, I, which I did fairly recently, you realise that he was actually tripping balls throughout most of the 70s. Really? Yeah. Well, which, that doesn't come across at all. Which, when you listen to this track, kind of go, oh, I get that, I see now. Yeah. But yeah, it's very, very weird. But didn't the rest of the band turn around to him and go, 
Sorry, no, it's about what? <laughs> I would imagine so. I mean, I would. Yeah. Are you sure you want to go down this route? <laughs> Maybe, you know, Phil, Phil's reading the lyrics, so yeah. The head goes rolling down the hill, Mike. Are you, are you sure about this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll work. Just do it, just do it. Um, yeah. It seems very weird to me, but that said, I do love the song. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where <laughs> so, just sing along, enjoy it, try not to think too closely exactly. about what it is. Until I found out about the snowman, I yeah. like this track. Now I'm sort of looking at it out of the corner of my eye, expecting it to do something well, unexpected. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I say, I always consider it the closest they ever did to a Christmas track. Yeah. But you can see why they didn't release it as a single at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that on Radio 1. Mm. Phil, again, his vocals seem oddly mixed. Kind of. Do you think? Yeah, well, I yeah. think they come across really well on this. No, I, mean, I don't mean he sings them bad. It just oh, no. sounds like they, they're really in a strange place in the mix. I'm not a musician or a producer, so I can't explain what I mean. But it just sound, always struck me as being a little bit echoey, a little bit tinny almost. Uh, anyway, moving on. Yes. Yeah. So we love this song. We do love this song. It's very, again, wintry themed. So yeah. there you go, see winter. Winter. It's all over this album. It is all over this album. Yeah. So, next track. Burning Rope. So that was Burning Rope. That was Burning Rope indeed. What I just said. Man. What a great track. That was a great track. I loved it. Again, another great track on this album. Yeah, I mean, it's a Tony Banks track again. Yeah. Originally, he had planned it to be much longer, more in the sort of uh, the the vein of One for the Vine length. See, I don't think this should be any longer. It's I perfect, perfect, no, I agree. Perfect length. I agree, perfect. Yeah. But um, that's all, that's what he'd originally planned. It was going to mm. be a long track, and he just cut a big instrumental bit out of the middle, apparently. No, this there is a great track. Boom. 
very varied track. You've got a lot of different tempos going mm -hmm. on here. Yeah. Um, again, brilliantly sung, brilliantly played. Mm -hmm. uh, in, very interesting to listen to musically. Yeah. Because of the, the, the key switches and things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of my favourite tracks on this album. I, this is one of my favourite tracks. I think. I, yeah. I love it. Not only is this one of my favourite Genesis tracks, this is also one of the first Genesis tracks I'd heard. Regular listener will remember that uh, I mentioned. You're regular. I mentioned listener. my friend made got me into Genesis by giving me some tapes. One of those was Trespass. And on the end of Trespass, he put three or four random tracks because there was a little bit of time left, and one of them was Burning Rope. Yeah. So before I heard this album, I heard Burning Rope. And I think when, you, when you're getting into this album, this is one of the tracks that really does get to you first. It does, especially if you're coming from knowing the prog side of Genesis. Yeah, this because, is, of the, because of the key changes. Exactly, this yeah. is the most prog track on the album, let's Definitely, be yeah. But this is great. I love this track so much. And Mike absolutely nails the guitar as well. Yeah, I mean, if definitely. you're saying it's a Tony track, it's yeah. pretty guitar dominated, but definitely. Yeah. it's so good. And again, it's another apparently downbeat lyric, which actually, if you listen to it a bit more carefully, seems to be suggesting something a bit more upbeat, you know, it's suggesting live for today. Yeah. Live for today because you're not going to have a tomorrow because you're going to die tomorrow, downbeat. But, but again, <laughs> don't waste your time living for tomorrow when you can live today. The climbing on a burning mm. rope is constantly going forward and leaving your past behind you. Exactly, exactly. That's what I got from it. Yeah, but again, I agree. You can see, it's a positive image. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this. I think this is the only track on the album that would fit on Wind of as it is. Yeah. You could just drop it in. It would actually. And it'd yeah. fit really well. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if Tony had started writing this before Steve left the band. Yeah. Um, and then brought it to the group after that or what. But yeah, I love this track. Absolutely. It is a, it fantastic. Is a good track. Now. Yes. Another track yeah. with wintry references. Uh -huh. Talks about snowflake drifting on the breath of the breeze. It does indeed. It does. Yeah. And if you listen to the music on your headphones, which I do, jingle bells in the background. Is that really? Yeah. It's. I've never got that. Yeah. Wow. There you go. It's another Christmassy song. So it's another Christmas track. So this is their Christmas single, 1978. <laughs> <laughs> got to number one, Christmas. Yay. <laughs> but yeah. So again, another kind of, even though ostensibly not, it yeah. is kind of got. A wintry theme to it again. See, so. until we started doing this podcast, I never got the wintry theme. Mm. Hmm. It's just such a mind of information. Yeah, I know. Mm. But I do like this track. Yeah, uh, I it's think a good track. It is very good. They played it live a lot, and on, certainly on this tour. Again, um, a good sing-along. Yeah, yeah. I can't fault this track at all. No, not at it. all. Nothing yeah. bad to say about this. And anybody who hates this album must surely like this track at least. Got to. It's a standout track. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong, we're only, what, five tracks in, six mm. tracks in, and we've already had yep. four standout tracks. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good for any of us. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. Let's be honest, not all Genesis albums have been this solid so far. No, no, no. So, not at all. Cool. So, next track. Let's move on to the next track, which is, which is Deep in the Motherload. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
So deep in the mother load, or as it's sometimes known on bootlegs, go west, young man. Really? Yeah, a lot of bootlegs have this track listed as Go West Young Man for some reason. But that's not even vaguely talking. I get it because it's in the chorus, yeah. but... Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. actually say deep in the mother load anywhere in the song either, so kind of... Yeah. Yeah, from a bootlegger's point of view, I suppose. When you're just listening to it, you go, what's this one called? Oh, yeah. 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 But it's one of those one of the tracks on the album that you forget how much you enjoy. Mm. Yeah, no, I It's agree. not one that immediately jumps out. If somebody said maybe tracks on Amendment 3, mm. you'd name certain tracks yeah. and you probably wouldn't remember this one. Yeah. But then you listen to it, you go, oh yeah, yeah, that's a really good track actually. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, it's not never been one of my favourite tracks. No. But it's it, a really great track. It's a solid track. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, actually, I agree. For, for a change. Had to happen sometime. <laughs> um, it's a nice slow rock song, really. Yeah. It's got a slower tempo than, than the other heavier ones but it's great I mean opens the second side of the vinyl album works really well yeah definitely flex. yeah um, and they use this as the out of the tour opener on the Duke tour do they really they do and it works quite well for that as well wow yeah, yeah. I like, I like the, the, the driving bass when we get into the chorus mm. you know they bah, 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 yeah bah, bah, bah. yeah yeah and it sounds better when yeah. they do it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I like the, the driving bass as we go yeah. to the choruses. It, it's, it's a change of tempo, mm. but it's also, you know, it really drives the song along. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's got, it's got very evocative, I think, of the American Midwest. You know, the, that middle section where it's all yes. along the wagons? That yeah, yeah. Breaks down a little bit. That's really, like, really atmospheric. And you, it's, definitely. Going yeah. back to what Genesis have always done really well, which is a movie in the song yeah so you think of something like white mountain from trespass yeah they've got that bit where it sounds like a winter ski and this sounds like a caravan of wagons going across the desert Ooh, yeah so <laughs> it's great um but as i say it's one of those tracks you forget how much you like yeah definitely another overtly american themed definitely track obviously yeah. um so going back to that american theme of this album mm. they're selling out they're selling out no no. As we discussed, they're trying to make money yeah. <laughs> to keep going. Um, I think Mike does a really good job on guitar on this. He's used a bottleneck uh, guitar thing, whatever you call it, slide, for the first time on this. A big really thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, first time he's ever used one, and when he first started to use it, he got it wrong. So he's using it wrong. <laughs> so he was plucking the strings? So, I, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. Just, but yeah. And he's, but, a, he's a musician. Yeah. But Mike, absolutely brilliant. I mean, that, you know, it breaks down the when the guitar I'm trying to think of how to describe it where he, he runs down the fretboard almost and you know this sort of screeches the guitar before he goes into Go West Young Man at the end yes yeah. I know the bit you mean but like that. How's it going? yeah I like that like my motorbike like, no my motorbike yeah. doesn't do that he goes you haven't got a motorbike yeah, that's why it does that because it's just me on the bike so it's just you go down the road on your pushbike going yeah exactly again though this is one I'd like to have heard Steve contributing to. I think this would have been a good one for Steve to drop some bombastic guitar solo in, but Mike does a great job. One thing I have noticed on this album so far, none of the big drumming pieces from Phil, mm. it's been more rhythm yeah. that he's been doing rather than his, um, you know, because in the past couple of albums we've been used to his unique drumming style yeah. and he's really used yeah. it as another instrument rather yeah. than just percussion. Here, we're getting a lot more just percussion. Yeah, so something you're thinking of something like Los Endos, where he's, yeah. he's very clearly 
the lead instrument is the drumming. Yeah, but this is just being used as percussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think this whole album's like that. Really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's taking more control of the vocals mm. and less control of the drumming. And thinking as we go on tour, we're going to have somebody who isn't lead drumming, mm. so we need to just have drumming. Or maybe it's because when they're on tour, they don't want somebody else stealing the limelight. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Damn, Chester Thompson. Uh, that- that limelight hogger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just I just happened to notice that the drums aren't as overt as they have been in this previous album. Yeah. No, you, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, but that can said... I, can I get that in writing? No. Oh. That said, there are some great drum, gr- oh, yeah. drum performances. But, it, but it's not... So, you know, even on the slow ones, like Undertow, yeah. but it drops some great fills. Phil drops some fills. But it works to drive the song along yeah. rather than almost a solo. Yeah, but you, you did use the gun also bearing in mind, this is the first album since Foxtrot that's not had an instrumental. Oh yeah, wow, I haven't picked that up. So they've not left any room for an instrumental track on the album. But that, again, that gives it that it's poppy feel, I think, because mm. you haven't got the, what can sometimes be long-winded solos. Yeah, okay, so, so deep in with the load. Thumbs up. Thumbs up for me. Yeah, it's me a too. Hit. And now onto Many Too Many. Many Too Many what? track on the album really. Um, the reason I bought the single is because it got two tracks that weren't on the album. Oh really? So yeah, it's uh, Vancouver and The Day The Light Went Out, which we will talk about, but they're on the second archive. Oh okay. So okay. We'll, we'll talk about that as a, a later thing. Yeah, but this track was interesting. I say interesting, it's not one of my favourite tracks. Mm-hmm. I've got to admit, I find this track quite boring. Yeah. Um, You're not a fan of the slow numbers, are you? I'm not. I like, I'm a rock, I'm a rock yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, and so when they start doing the nice Ballads, yeah. I find myself just drifting away. Yeah. Um, but this one, um, I say, is interesting from a, a production point of view, mainly because, well, Rutherford wasn't at all confident he could play this live. Mm. 
it was one of the ones he was quite nervous about. Mm -hmm. And also, they had no idea how to end this song. Mm. Well, they never played this live anyway. No, I so, know. It wasn't yeah. sure he could do it. Mm. But when they were actually recording it, they didn't know apparently how to end this mm. track. They did at one point consider an orchestral end to it, yes. which, which would have been weird. Yeah, well, stuck out. They there. were going to have an orchestra play on this album, on, this, on this track. Yeah. Wow, really? Yeah. So that rather than it being a it was going to be just piano and orchestra with the vocals rather than anything else. That would have stuck out on this album quite badly, mm. don't you think? Mm, I don't know, because some of the keyboard parts are very orchestral in sound. Yeah, I know, but considering the rest of the, the track has been either rocky or mm. sort of prog-rocky or whatever, mm. and then you suddenly put a full uh, orchestral sound there, it would have sounded a bit weird. Yeah, possibly. Well, we'll never know, because they didn't. To me, I think, going back to that American theme, I think this is the most American sounding song they ever record, musically and, and sort of performance wise. I think this could have been an, this could have been by an American band, you know, Chicago or somebody like that. Okay. It could have been on one of their albums quite happily. And I'm honestly surprised the single didn't go anywhere. Did it not? No. I'm not surprised. I'm, I get bored with it. Mm. As I say, it's not one of my favourite tracks. No, I, think I, I don't love it, but I do like it. It's not even a good single on track. Oh my, my. <laughs> How's it go? Oh, my, my. I can't do that anymore. You can do it anymore. I could do it in the yeah. first place. But yeah, I mean, this is Tony's lyrics. Um, apparently yeah. had trouble convincing Phil to sing Mama. Um, which is a surprise. Which is a surprise. Uh, but yeah, uh, because apparently um, Phil felt a bit self-conscious singing that. He was like, oh, no. Eventually, Tony persuaded him by saying, well, you know, Stevie Wonder, he, he sings Mama all the time in his lyrics. It wouldn't have sounded good. Oh, mummy. No. This is why I think it's an American sounding track. They're using Americanism. An Americanism. Mm. We wouldn't have said Mama no. for, for, in that context. Yeah, so I can understand where Phil was coming from. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, but then the, the whole album is American theme, so why did he bulk at this one? I don't, who knows? Who knows? This track is the least dated sounding on the album, by which I mean if a band now recorded this and released it, it wouldn't sound out of place. No, no I agree. Whereas some of the other tracks, probably uh, Follow You, Follow Me, for example, I think would sound a bit odd. If a band recorded. Yeah, but this this is a, just a straight ballad. Mm. I mean, most ballads can be redone yeah. by modern artists yeah. and it wouldn't be out of date. Exactly. I could imagine Coldplay releasing this as a single. So can I, because it's that dumb. <laughs> well, I don't mind it. By the way, can I just say, go and wash your mouth out, young man. You said the scene. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not a fan of Coldplay, but Nobody I, is. I was using them as a bland band. Even Gwyneth Paltrow got bored of them. She's um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, that's uh, this isn't this is an okay track. It's not my favourite on the album, but I don't dislike it. Again, it is what I, it is. One of the ones I've It is what it is. Yeah. It is so. so we're now on to <laughs> scenes from a night's dream. Scenes from a night's dream. No, I just said it. Scenes from a night's dream. I know. I heard you. <laughs>
Poor Little Nemo. Poor Little Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. This is another American song, isn't it? Very American. It's like Little yeah. Nemo in Slumberland. That wasn't a big thing in the UK. Not at all. No, I didn't for years know what the hell Nemo was. See, I did, but that's because I'm a comics fan, so I'd heard of it, but I'd never read it. See, I kept expecting the submarine to come into it somewhere. <laughs> like, like little baby Captain Nemo. Oh, I want me little Nautilus. <laughs> sort of yeah. Oh, I've got me Nautilus. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it does sound right. Uh, but yeah, so basically that's based on the comic strip, newspaper comic strip, Little Nemo in Slumberland. Which, so that's all there is to say about this track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Job done. Yeah. Next track done. <laughs> no, so what do you think of this track? Um, it's not my favourite. No, it's, no. I think it's this, okay. I think this is the weakest one in the album. I know you're probably going to say many too many. Yeah, it was. But I think this is weaker because it's just a bit twee. It's very twee. Um, the music's okay. Music's by Tony. Yeah, the music's fine. He originally came in with a set of lyrics that he didn't like, so Phil rewrote those. So these are Phil's. Know what those lyrics were? Yeah. Phil rewrote the lyrics. Um, uh, that this is what we got. This yeah. thing. This track. But it's okay. It's not. It's not appalling. No, it's not terrible. It's just it doesn't go anywhere. And it's Another a bit, fast forward for me. Yeah, I mean to be honest, if I was going to skip any of the tracks on this album, it would be this. Poor little Nemo. Yeah, don't think I've, I've literally got nothing else to say about Me that. No. They played it live. Really? Yeah, instead of Undertow. I mean, they could have played Undertow live, and they didn't, and they played this live. One fact I do know about yes. this track is that it was uh, actually came about because Phil bought the book for his brother, mm -hmm. and that's where he got the inspiration of the lyrics. Yeah, well, there you go then. So, yeah. like I say, I've heard of Little Nemo, but that's because I was into comics and I'd heard of it, but I'd I never read it. The comics better than the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really awkward. Like, that first lyric's really difficult to get a grip on. Like, Nemo, Nemo get out of bed, to go. No, not that bit. Little oh. Nemo opened his eyes and got out of bed. That seems to cram into the music really awkwardly, I think. But don't like this song particularly. No. Weak as oh, on say it's all right, Joe. See what I'm doing? Yeah. Uh, but it's not all. It's not. <laughs> but the next track is. Yes. So, I mean, this is this is a response to the Rat Pack. So the Dean Martin, you know, number one at the end of the bar. 
type thing. But Mike wrote uh, deliberately as a response to that. So we'll dress up pretty much like the guys on the front cover with a Mac and a bit trench coat really? and, a, you know, and a trilby on. Um, pretend to be at a bar. Not my favourite tracks again. No. It's pandering. I've got to say. But I, it feels like it's pandering. I've got to say, this was not one of my favourite tracks for a long time. I didn't really like this track. It has grown on me as I've got older. I appreciate this track now. And I wouldn't say I love it, but I appreciate what it's trying to do now. And there's some great lyrics in this, this oh, one. Yeah. Though. I mean, you it's, know. A, it's a finely crafted song. It's yeah. just not one of my favourites. Yeah. But you catch as you can, I'm not staying long. Yeah. Coming mm. home early or never at all. I like the theme of the, the song, you know, that kind of... Drunkard. Drunkard, wasted, you know, 2am at the bar, sitting, trying, lamenting, that sort of thing. Kind of a torch song, almost. It is. A peeing to that American... Hey. Peeing to that American um, hey. style cry out reference to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, I think... Well, I mean, it's got a nice melancholy air to it that I, I, I it's appreciate. It's a funny tune. Mm. It's just... It's not really Genesis yeah. Again, I know they're changing the sound up. Yeah. But this this one sticks out to me like a sore thumb because mm. the well, music. What more than scenes from a night stream? Yeah, because although because scenes from a night stream has interesting music. Mm. This it, the music is very subdued, very yeah. laid back, and it's mostly uh, vocal drama, which is kind of unlike a lot of Genesis stuff before mm. that. So it, this is one the track on the album that sounds the less like Genesis. Mm. It's, and it's not a prog rock track either. No, it definitely isn't that. So it it sticks out in that way. Mm. It's almost like another artist has come in and done one of their tracks. It doesn't really. It it fits in better with their solo stuff. See, I think it fits in with this album. I don't think it fit on any of their other albums, no. but that's because this album is overtly American themed, yeah, and it yeah. fits in with that. I don't know if they were consciously doing an American themed album, by the way. It just obviously is an American. Can't have been by accident because there's too many references. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and no, I'm I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I do like this song, uh, and I think it fits really well on this album, and I enjoy it. I wouldn't skip this track. Probably uh, five six years ago, I probably would have done. But like I say, I've, as I've got older, I've appreciated the sentiment behind it a bit more. Though, again, not one of my favourites. But I mean, Tony's piano in this is oh, yeah. really good. It it's gives off piano. that proper smoky bar atmosphere. So it's a track. I haven't got a problem with it. It's just not a kind of track I would personally want to listen mm. to. Yeah, that's fair enough. I do enjoy this track, though. And they, again, it's another one they played live off the album. They had a weird... Um, idea of what to play live. Yeah, I don't know how they selected which ones to Because it's not what you or I would have chosen to play. Yeah, I mean, and you get bands nowadays would release a new album and then they play the majority of that album. Certainly on that tour. Yeah, yeah, that's how they're selling the album exactly. at the end of the day. So it seems a bit odd that you know, they have 10, 12 tracks, whatever it is on this album, that they're only playing five or six of them. Yeah, and then the weird ones. Yeah. Anyway, um, next track is The Lady Lap.
the guy's failing, the guy's coming to a sticky end. Yeah. But I see it as the fact that he's found what he's always been looking for. Mm, a sticky end. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Any end you can get, sticky or not. But um, yeah, I find this quite positive hmm. because as I think, he gets exactly what he wants. Yeah, that's interesting because, like I say, I've not ever really looked at it as a positive ending. I've always thought of it as a he knew what he was getting into, he was going in there to try and win, but he didn't lose. I didn't see it as he lost. I saw it as he engaged battle and will be battling for the whole of eternity, which is exactly what a warrior wants to do. So it, it's not like at the end of the story he dies. Mm, as far as you know. Yeah, it's that he is taken over or ingested mm. by this being and will be battling forever. Where he will be slowly digested for a thousand years. Yeah. Right. What do you think of Mike's guitar in this then? Great. He's, he's... Again, as you say, he's using that slide effect mm. again. Taking the, the theme of the stripper that mm. they were originally doing, mm. you can see that kind of sleazy yeah. sound he's got the guitar. But I think it works beautifully on this track. Mm. It's very un-Genesis-y. It is. And it, it stands out for Genesis. that reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you, when you listen to this track, it sounds different and fresh in a way. Mm. So you can you can listen to this track and go, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Mike's, Mike's really is making the guitar sound his own on yeah, this track. definitely. I mean, this is not Steve Hackett at all in this any way. This is not something he This is done. something completely different. Yeah. Uh, and Mike's really... I don't know where, where this was recorded in the you know, in the studio, whereabouts during the time... It was in the there. corner. <laughs> it was recorded in the studio. Yeah. Um, I mean, whereabouts in the running order this was recorded, um, whether recorded this early or later, whether Mike had got used to playing guitar yeah. or maybe he was just experimenting I don't know but it does really well I think this Mike's Mike's doing a good job on this definitely yeah. so it leads into the last track on the album <laughs> no it's follow you follow me Biggest hit single today. How's that for you? That is not bad, is it? Not bad, is it? No. Does it deserve to be their biggest hit single today? I think so at this point. Um, mainly because most of the other stuff that they've done doesn't lend itself to singles. Mm. This is a very single sound. It is. Yeah. And it's so catchy. Mm -hmm. uh, why wouldn't you put it as a single? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be a fool not to on this album. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned before, David Henschel, the producer, didn't really like this track, presented it to the record company and they loved it. Mm -hmm. Made them edit it into a track and that's what the result was. Pure gold. It is, it is. It's a great track. Yeah. Um, it's a good pop song. I can imagine many Genesis fans hating this track. Oh yeah, it's like a sellout. I imagine uh, if we have a listener 
it's 50-50 as to whether they are shouting at us now saying it's a terrible track or yes I agree completely we're talking to you <laughs> um, I really like track I, I think it's a good little pop ditty it's, it's simple yeah as I said earlier it's one you still hear on the, on the radio yep. yep it still gets airplay so I mean you know how many 30 40 years down the line yeah yeah I mean and it's still being played on the radio exactly how many singles can you name from the 70s or 80s that you hear constantly now I mean it's really it's a really catchy little track as well definitely definitely um, like I say there's a, a couple of cover versions on YouTube if you search for it which some of them I would not recommend you listen to but you know people cover this, this track Simon just sang this to me in Spanish <laughs> uh, because he'd heard a, a cover and he will now do that for us again. No, I won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't want to alienate anybody. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> especially, uh, well, our one listener. But yeah, apparently that had a female rapper rapping over the yes, top of it. Yeah, I can't remember who it was by off the top of my head now. It was Sonny, Sonny Jones, I think it might have been. Okay. But yeah, it was awful. With a female rapper? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like a proper NSYNC boys' own style video as well, with him dressed in white suit. Oh, you didn't say there was a video as well. Loads of dancers and. See, I'm going to go looking for that. Yeah, now. yeah. But we'll watch it in a bit. It's... In fact, I'm going to find it. I'm going to record a clip of it off YouTube and put it at the end of this podcast. Uh, there's something for everybody to talk to. There. <laughs> yeah. So, at the very end of this podcast, you should probably turn away. <laughs> if you don't want to have this song ruined forever. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, so this song is really simple. It's a lot more like the later pop years. So, yeah. do, you, so do you think that's the difference, the simplistic nature? Of but then this, this whole album's like that. We're getting a different tone but, for, the, for the band. No, well, not really. I mean, this track for me sticks out in the album just because musically and lyrically it's very simple. And There's it's, not a lot of complexity to it. Whereas some of the other tracks are shorter, but they're still quite complex in scope. So you think of Bernie Rowe, it's shorter, but it's still quite complex. And it's one of the few songs on this album where you actually start dancing to it. Yeah, you're not going to dance to Bernie Rowe, are you? No, definitely not. No. Not unless you're a nutter. So it's more like, you know, it's more like the solo stuff. Phil and, and specifically sort of the Mike and the Mechanics style solo stuff yeah. later on. So do you think that's the difference between the two eras? Is this like the break point between the two eras of the, the kind of the rock, prog rock stuff and the pop prog I stuff? I do, because they, where we're going from here, mm. um, we do get more of this kind of rhythm mm. encroaching into the albums. Yeah. So yeah, I think this was, this was the first of many yeah uh, not many too many but yeah. many that um we're, we're gonna hear in the future see to me the, up to this point i don't think this sounds like genesis so it uh, like i say it kind of sticks out on the album to me as that because it just it's not the same it's not like genesis so i can 100 percent understand fans who dislike this track but then that's just kind of disliking a really nice track for the sake of disliking in a really nice track yeah and as I say you find yourself dancing to it mm. and I know what you're thinking we can't dance <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very nice track it's, yeah. it's so you can't not like it yeah Mike says it's the easiest lyric he ever wrote he wrote, yeah, he wrote it, wrote it, it about 10 about minutes, 10 minutes yeah. yeah um thinking so, of his wife apparently about yeah another one about his wife he's that old romantic fella yeah hang on so we got some members of the band thinking of their wives <laughs> as paradigms <laughs> and monsters and others just writing dreamy love songs yeah. about their wives yeah hmm. also as we've mentioned Mike was stoned almost all the time so um but yeah I really like this track I think it deserves to have been their first 
single, I think the record company were 100% correct to make yeah. them put it on the album. And yeah, it's, it stands up well, it doesn't sound twee, which it could easily have done. Yeah. You do wonder if this being a single actually helped the album to sell, whether it got I would more, imagine so. more people into the Genesis just because of this one single track. I would imagine so. I think, bearing in mind that this was the first single and Many Too Many was the second single, I think Many Too Many was obviously the record company's attempt to go, well, let's follow up this nice pop song with this oh, with a ballad. anything that will be a single. Yeah, but Many Too Many kind of does stand out as, as a potential single, but it's too similar in style to Follow You, Follow Me to have worked. So perhaps that's why it didn't work as well. Mm. Whereas if they'd followed it with one of the rockier tracks, um, I couldn't tell you which one no, I would suggest. I couldn't think of another one on here that yeah, I put Maybe, maybe The Undertow might have been a, a good track. Mm, not a single, maybe. Yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's significantly different and it's quite hopeful. But anyway, I think that's probably the failing of the record company for wanting to replicate the success of Follow You, Follow Me. Yeah. And going, going with the this, obvious choice. At this point in time, Genesis aren't a single orientated no. band. It's still an album band. Yeah, I mean, so they've, they've they're, had they're that not hit with, writing for singles. Exactly, they've had that hit with the uh, Spot Pigeon EP. Mm. <sighs> yeah. um, and this is, again, different to what they sound like, and it's got them into money. the charts, it's made the money, yeah. and the album's sold well, and the tour's done really well. And anybody who says, but it's not Genesis, just remember, young man, that if they hadn't made money off this, you wouldn't be getting any more Genesis. Exactly, and if they, if they hadn't made any more money from this, this would be the last episode of this podcast, and then where would you be? Happier, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there going, oh, I wish this was the last podcast. <laughs> At least one in this room. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, love that track. That's it. Right, yeah. so that's the album. What yeah. did you think of it as a whole? I think it's a really good album. I think um, it's a strong album. It's full of great tracks. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I, the hater's going to hate, but I think it works as an album. Yeah, one of my favourite albums. Yeah. 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 I mean, Again, bear in mind, it's one of the only three albums they ever did that doesn't have any long tracks on, but it works. I think as a non-Genesis fan, this is probably one of the albums that is going to get you into it. It's one of the easiest ones and most accessible to get into, Yeah, purely because of the different styles. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, although it's not overtly a prog album because it hasn't got any long tracks, tracks that are on there are still quite proggy. There's enough elements of everything in here yeah. to keep progressive exactly. fans interested, Yeah, but there's enough pop there to keep pop fans interested so a lot of people yeah. this is their gateway drug into Genesis yeah. for some people I would imagine yeah. it, it's got a bit of something for everybody yeah. so if you were coming in from the old stuff you'd mm -hmm. still stick with it yeah. and if you were coming in from the new stuff you'd go you know I might listen to some more of the older stuff yeah, exactly. based on this yeah. and I think you know something like Burning Rope is going to lead you to one for the vine, which is going to lead you to Dance so on it Volcano, is, it is which is going to lead you to that. Drug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's going to lead you through, I think. And there's enough variety on this album that there should be something that everybody enjoys. So something for everybody. Though. Something for everyone. Perhaps yeah. that's what they should call the album. Something for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that does sound very middle of the road rocky. I'm sure there was a prog album called Something for Everyone. I can't. Think it was it probably by yeah. Gentle Giant or something. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, so Steve's left. This is the next phase. They've got the three of them. They're going to be a stable lineup now for the next 15 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, this is this is pretty much it until yeah. the last album. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So this is this is what you got now. Like it or not. Bear in mind, they're only now what 10 years since they released their very first single. Yeah. Yeah. And look how different they are. Look how far they've come. How far they've come. They've done well, aren't they, for themselves? The boys did good. <laughs> yeah. They've done good. But love this album. Yeah. I think it probably divides opinion because it's so American. Yeah. I think 
if you'll indulge me for a second. I've been indulging you for a long time. I like to compare it to Doctor Who, the TV movie that they made with Paul McGann. Divided opinion. Very much so. Because American fans thought it was too American. And so British, British fans, fans didn't think it was British enough. Yeah. But actually, it was a pretty good attempt to make a TV movie of Doctor Who and actually worked really well. But yeah. it's got a bad rep. The plot didn't work very well. Well, no, but... But, you know, but I like it. Yeah, I like it. I think yeah. Paul McGann did a great job. Paul McGann still comes across as a great Doctor Who. Exactly. This is not a Doctor Who podcast. Exactly. No, it's not. No. But it, I think Genesis, we can compare Genesis to Doctor Who in this instance. Oh. Because they tend to, when they change lineup, the first album is never the best. They follow it up with something that's better. So you had Nursery Crime, was the first album of the new lineup. Wasn't as good as Foxtrot. Foxtrot was where they really found their feet. Trick of the Tail, great album as it is, I don't think is as good as Wind of Wuthering. Second album is where they find their feet. And I think this is the first album of a new lineup, so they need another album to find their feet and really deliver a classic. But jumping ahead a little bit, Calling All Stations gets a terrible rap. They didn't do a follow up album. No. Maybe if they had. Yeah. So yeah, so I think this gets a bad rap, unjustifiably, I think. I mm. like the album. Yep, so basically, out of ten for this album? Eight. Yeah. A couple of tracks on there, a little bit weak, but on the whole, I think it's a great album. But the good tracks really, really, really make up yeah. for it. They really they are really shine. outstanding. They yeah. do, they really shine. Yeah. So I love this album, I think it's great, and I will listen to it many, many times. Me too. Cool. So, that's this podcast over there. Yes. Shall we get back to the darts match? Yeah, we better go and see how things are going on. I think I'm, it's going to be my turn in a minute. Better oh, go and uh, have a check. Yeah, yeah. Just give me five minutes to do a bit of tidying up. Yeah, all right then. Okay. We don't need your kind here. What's that about? It's disgusting. I don't know why people think they can get away with it. Is this about crisps again? Oh my god it is, isn't it? Well, anyway, you said I could look after the bar and you'd look after everything else. Yeah, but by look after, I didn't mean drink dry. Hey man, I have needs. I'm only human. Anyway, how's the darts going? I'm up next. You can't play darts. The last thing you threw was up after you had that half a mile. No, no, I've been practising. Hmm, evening Dave, the usual. Right you are, pint of vodka coming up. Slice of lemon with that. No, 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 you're quite right. That would be a girl's drink. Get a lot of dates that drink a pint of vodka, do you? Yeah, Simon's at the hockey now. Don't worry, don't worry. I've removed most of the breakable things in range. And here comes Simon up to the hockey now. He raises it up his hand back level with his ear and he throws it oh too bad it's the wall still he's got plenty of time to catch up second dart now oh and it's ralph's head bad luck there especially for ralph and the third dart now and it's a double one what a shot from the young lad there actually actually hit the board that time wow i did great there much better than last time. Well, the number of casualties was certainly lower. I've called the ambulance for Ralph, by the way. Well, he stood up at the wrong time. He was sat behind you. I was startled. Anyway, I'd like to see someone beat that score. Treble 20. And another treble 20. 
and another 180! Oh. Oh well. Never mind. Obviously, darts isn't your sport. I suppose. I just like the danger. Yes, but it's not you who's in danger, is it? The funeral for Pete's dog is on Wednesday, by the way. Aren't you having a go at the darts? No. I swore I would never take up arms against my fellow man. It's only a game! Of course, but I learnt to throw darts in the army. You were in the army? Okay, the scouts. You were in the scouts? Well, the cubs. You were in the cubs? Okay, okay, the beavers. You were a beaver? Leave it! It's not important where I learn. Err, you lads wouldn't be trying to scam me, would you? Whatever do you mean? Your last throw of the darts was a perfect 180. How could we be scamming you? I saw your boxing match. It seemed like you were losing, but all of a sudden you turned it around. Seemed to me young Simon here was so bad, he might actually miraculously get much better when all the betting starts. Betting? There's no betting on this game. It's just a friendly to draw people in. A what now? A friendly? But it's the world final! <laughs> yeah, of darts. As if that makes anyone any money. We just want to get regulars in for a drink and encourage conversation. Conversation? In a pub? I haven't spoken to one in a pub since... the smoking bag. It does happen. You don't just come into the Revelation Station to drink quietly by yourself. Me and Simon, for example, we like talking about Genesis. Well, I say, we and like. But why? Because they're a great band. And unless you also want to be banned, see what I did there, you won't say a bad word about them. But what? Hang on, hang on. Oi, you two, keep it down. I've told you before. Well, he said Janeway was a terrible captain. Now stop arguing. And Ted, you're wrong. Now, change the subject. Why don't you start on something less controversial? Like the works of Jerry Anderson. Okay, so what's your take on four feather There, you see? Great conversation, but it can get a bit fiery. I had to break up an argument with the bogs earlier. Let me guess. German philosophers again. Obviously. Why don't they stick with the Greeks? The Germans are too hardcore for a pub conversation. So you're saying we're coming here, find someone, and have a talk? Pretty much. That's how it works. Give it a go. But no German philosophers. So, Gary, how did it go over there? Well, they were getting a bit hot-headed, so I steered them onto Jerry Anderson. Ah, oh, yeah, that should keep them quiet. Two of them got onto Terrorhawks anyway. That was awful. Yeah. So, anyway, is it time to call last orders? Yeah, I think it probably is. We've got to be up early in the morning to get to London and sign those final documents for the pub. And on top of that, of course, we've got the live Wembley gig to rehearse for. Yeah, that's going to be fun. 50,000 men. What about women? It's Genesis podcast. Oh, yeah. Time, gentlemen, please.
having lied and said you had your teeth. I think in. I'm having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> well, put it away yeah. and carry on with the podcast. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry about that. It's distracting.